0: Theme, the keys to the universe. Since theme is the underlying point the narrative makes about the human experience, it's also where the universal lies. The universal is a feeling, emotion, or truth that resonates with us all. For instance, the raw power of true love, quote unquote. Is something everyone okay almost everyone can tap into whether the story is about a saloon owner in Casablanca a mermaid under the sea or a knight in Arthur's Court the universal is the portal that allows us to climb into the skid of characters completely different from us and miraculously feel what they feel given the primacy of the universal It's ironic that only when embodied in the very specific, does a universal become accessible. As we'll explore in depth in chapter 6, the abstract universals are so vast, they're impossible to wrap your mind around. It's only when expressed through the flesh and blood reality of a story that we're able to experience a universal one-on-one and so feel it. The Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, Olive Kitteridge, offers a simple, sublime example. Its theme is how we bear loss, and author Elizabeth Strout has said that she hopes her readers feel a sense of awe at the quality of human endurance. In the following passage, a mundane moment triggers a memory that is utterly gripping because it taps into universal that I'd venture to say everyone has experienced and yet rarely found the words to express. She was glad to add, she was glad she had never left Henry. She'd never had a friend as loyal, as kind as her husband. And yet standing standing behind her son, waiting for the traffic light to change, she remembered how in the midst of it all There had been times when she'd felt a loneliness so deep that once, not so many years ago, having a cavity filled, the dentist's gentle turning of her chin with his soft fingers had felt to her like a tender kindness of almost excruciating depth, and she had swallowed with a groan of longing, tears springing to her eyes. In that very specific memory, the dentist's fleeting workaday touch on another, on another, an otherwise ineffable feeling of existential loneliness is made manifest, as palpable as if it had happened to us. Because, as we'll see in chapter 4, as far as our brain is concerned, it actually has. By filtering her story through the thematic lens of loss and human endurance, Strout was able to pluck an otherwise random moment from Olive's life and use it to give us insight into how Olive sees the world, and at the same time provide a visceral glimpse of the cost of being human. Theme and tone. It's not what you say, but how you say it. If theme is one of the most powerful elements of your story, it's also one of the most invisible. You didn't see the theme anywhere in Stroud's passage, did you? It wasn't spelled out, wasn't referenced, but it was there all the same. It's like tone of voice, which often says more than the words themselves. In fact, sometimes tone says the exact opposite of what the words are saying, as anyone who's ever been in a long-term relationship can attest. Your story's tone reflects how you see your characters and helps define the world you've set them loose in tone is often how theme is conveyed, by cueing your readers to the emotional prism through which you want them to view your story. Like a soundtrack in a movie. It's another way of sharpening your focus, highlighting what your reader really needs to know. For instance, the tone in a romance novel lets us know that although big things will definitely go wrong, nothing genuinely damaging will ever happen so we can safely relax into the story, secure in the knowledge that love is not only capable of saving the day, but actually will. Whereas in a novel like What Came Before You Shot Her, from the first sentence the tone implies the exact opposite, though it doesn't come right out and tells us so. Instead, tone makes us feel it by evoking a particular mood. Tone belongs to the author. Mood to the reader. In other words, your theme begets the story's tone, which begets the mood of the reader that the reader feels. Mood is what underlies the reader's sense of what is possible and what isn't in the world of your story, which brings us back to the point your story is making as reflected in its theme. Reflected being the key word. Because as crucial as theme is, it's never stated outright. It's always implied. Movies and books that put the theme first and story second tend to break the cardinal, although often grievously misunderstood as we'll see in chapter 7, rule of writing, show, don't tell. It's the story's job to show us the theme, not the theme's job to tell us a story. Especially since theme is a rotten storyteller and when left on its own devices it's much more interested in telling us what to think than in simply presenting the evidence and letting us make up our own mind. Unchecked, theme is a bully, a know-it-all, and no one likes to be told what to do, which is why reverse psychology works so well. What this means is that the more passionate you are about making your point, the more you have to trust your story to convey it. As Evelyn Waugh says, All literature implies moral standards and criticisms. The less explicit, the better. Besides, did you ever go into a bookstore saying to yourself, what I'd really like is a book about survival and how catastrophes bring out the gumption in some and not in others? Or, I'm dying to curl up with a good ten-story teller. With a good... Book that traces the de- defects of society back to the de- defects of human nature, or what I'm in the mood for is a book that is a metaphor for Latin America. I don't think so, which isn't to say that you might not leave with Gone with the Wind, Lord of the Fri- Flies, or One Hundred Years of Solitude, whose authors, when pressed, describe their themes and, as as such. But wait aren't there more themes in each of those books? Probably. In fact, a simple internet search will turn up myriad suggested themes for each title, some of which would no doubt stun if not infuriate their authors, but they are mostly secondary themes. What we are talking about is the main theme, the one you, the writer, choose, rather than the one scholars will later a voice upon you so graduate students can endlessly debate them in small, earnest seminars. Gone with the Wind, a case study. To better understand how to use focus to define what your book is about, thus creating a yardstick by which to filter out all the unnecessary information, let's look at the most accessible of the three books just mentioned, Gone with the Wind. In the past, some dismissed Gone with the Wind as a trite, melodramatic potboiler, nothing more than popular fiction. But no one can deny its power as a spellbinding page-turner. And here's a shocker, in 1937 it won the Pulitzer Prize. It also happened to be the best-selling novel of all time until it was surpassed in 1966 by Valley of the Dolls, which somehow the Pulitzer Committee overlooked. First, let's take a good look at the theme of Gone with the Wind according to author Margaret Mitchell in an interview with her publisher in nineteen thirty six. If it was a, if it has a theme, it is that of our survival. What makes some people able to come through catastrophes and others apparently just as able, strong and brave, go under? It happens in every upheaval. Some people survive, others don't. What qualities are in those who fight their way through triumphantly? Th- triumphantly, that are lacking in those who go under. I only know that the survivors used to call the quality gumption, so I wrote about the people who had gumption and the people who didn't. As Scarlet fights, schemes, manipulates, struggles, and ultimately survives against all odds, the key ingredient is gumption. Fair enough, but is that the novel's main thematic focus? Does it drive Scarlet's reaction as calamity after calamity befall her? Is it the lens through which we watch the tale unfold? The secret ingredient that holds us fast whether we can define it or not? It is. What keeps us reading is the knowledge that Scarlet's headstrong will, her guts, her nerve, her gumption is stronger than her need to conform to society's dictates. But we quickly learn that as potent as her untempered gumption is, Is also capable of completely blinding her to what is in her best interest, which, as we'll soon see, is where her internal issues lies. We know what would make her the happiest, and we realize pretty quickly that chances are it's the last thing she'll do, which raises the question, what will she do instead? Will she wake up and realize what she truly was? And that's what keeps us reading. But what about the other themes that run through the novel? For instance, the nature of love, the constraints of class structure, and of course, 19th century society's tightly corseted gender roles. Couldn't any one of them be the central theme? Good question. Here's the limit's test. The central theme must provide a point of view precise enough to give us specific insight into the protagonist and her internal issue, yet be broad enough to take into account everything that happens, Again, the plot. Let's see what happens when I, when I try to sum up Gone with the Wind with these other contenders. First, the nature of love. Quote, set against the backdrop of the Civil War, Gone with the Wind is about a southern belle whose misguided love for the wrong man blinds her to the one person who could give her what she wants. It's not a bad description if the book were solely a romance with everything else merely setting but given the novel's scope, it's much too limiting. Well then, what about the way Scarlett disregards social norms? Gone with the Wind is about a southern belle who bucks the societal tide in order to survive during the civil war. This one isn't bad either. That is, if you go in for the general. What societal tide exactly? Buck it how? Without any specifics, it's hard to get a real picture of much of anything. Okay, what about class structure? Gone with awareness about how traditional class structure in the South gave way during the Civil War. Sounds like nonfiction, doesn't it? And since nonfiction sells, and there are millions of Civil War buffs, this could be a bestseller. That is, until they realize it's really a steamy romance about a gutsy woman who ruthlessly bucks the societal tide. Of course, by then, even the staunchest. History buff might keep Mum too busy hoping against hope that Scarlet's wake, Scarlet wakes up the hell up and realizes that Rhett is a man of her before it's too damn late, man for her rather. So although this isn't to say that my descriptions wouldn't entice some readers, there's nothing in them that suggests a sprawling, steamy epic, and Gone with the Wind is nothing if not that. But when, a, when I begin with gumption, the notion Mitchell, used as her defining theme, it's another story. Gone with the Wind is about a headstrong southern belle whose unflinching gumption causes her to spurn the only man who is her equal as her ruthlessly buck, as she ruthlessly bucks crumbling social norms in order to survive during the civil war. Aha! While my description of Gone with the Wind might not be there yet, we've hit on something well worth mentioning. One way to help identify a story's defining theme is to ask yourself, is it possible to filter the stories, stories, other themes through it? In Gone with the Wind, Scarlet's gumption came first, so for for better or for worse, it affects everything else. Her love life. Her... Refusal to be constrained by the mores of the day and her insatiable need to take action when she doesn't get what she wants. Take action? Ah yes, the plot.